foundations are vitally important. When you go to buy a house, you want to make sure the house is built on a solid foundation because if it's not, it won't stand the test of time. Similarly, we have to make sure our faith is built on solid Bible foundations. And so we're going to be looking together at God's word in this podcast foundations in order to set up good, solid Bible foundations to help us walk closer to Jesus. I hope this podcast blesses you as you build up in your faith. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Andrew. I'm host of Foundations Podcast. In this episode, we are going to be looking at how relevant God's Word is. Now, we know that God's Word is relevant, and we know that it speaks to all of our times, all of the time. And uh, we understand that God's Word has something to say about the things in which we go through. But I think sometimes we miss out on actually how relevant God's Word is, and not only relevant, but how truthful it is and the things in which it says long before mankind ever discovers the truths of God's Word and and how they play out in our society. Right now, as this is being recorded, we are in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. And uh, in uh, America, United States here, we are on the 15 days to slow the spread from the Surgeon General. And uh, it's, it's social distancing, quarantining, all of these things, keeping you away from other people. And then specifically, uh, the CDC has put out, it is important that we constantly keep our hands washed and wash them for 20 seconds in order to rid our hands of virus and bacteria and then not touch our face and then not touch other people so that it doesn't get them infected if we are infected. And that might seem like something simple, but as uh, I was meditating on that, and as I was just, it's all around us right now. So as I was thinking on it, I was reminded of some Bible truth and some unique stories that show us the relevance of God's word and helps us build a deeper foundation, knowing that God's word is so vitally true and speaks to all of the things in which we face day in and day out. Believe it or not, God's word talks about washing our hands and the importance of washing our hands and not just our hands, but our entire selves. As a matter of fact, uh, I've used this argument before to show how the word of God uh, is uh, divinely um, uh, imprinted, that it has God's uh, fingerprint the divine fingerprint upon the scripture because it does things that man cannot do. One of which uh, in the world of science and specifically medical science, it has given us solutions, preventative and reactive solutions on how to handle some of the most complex scientific problems we face, namely infection and bacteria. And the Bible actually speaks on these things to God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. And God outlines his law on how to handle the infection and bacteria and death and all the things that come with it when it comes to washing your hands. In other words, it speaks ahead of a man-discovered science to show us what we should be doing even before mankind has discovered it. So we're going to look at some of these things here uh, today. Uh, Let me though, let me give you the importance of hand washing. Now we know right now the CDC has put out 
the vital importance of hand washing, specifically 20 seconds of hand washing. Uh, but my mind draws to a story uh, that I read in a book called None of These Diseases. I've also seen it rise up here and there in different uh, apologetic literature. And uh, I just want to share it with you to kind of set the stage for what the Word of God is speaking. Uh, the story takes place in Vienna in the 1840s. Vienna was known for many things in that time, and one of which, though, uh, Vienna was famous for its medical fields. And in one of the famous teaching hospitals there, I, I might butcher this name, um, but uh, but I think I'm going to get close to it. It's uh, Algamina Krankenhaus, Krankenhaus, I think it is, Algamina Krankenhaus, which is uh, the hospital, Krankenhaus, German uh, meaning hospital. Algamina is the name of the hospital. I had a maternity ward there in that hospital, and there was a, a major issue going on in that uh, maternity ward and maternity world's uh, all around the world, and that was the high death rate of uh, the expectant mothers. One out of every six women died. That's 57% uh, death rate that was going on if you were to uh, give a give birth to a child. Um, and that was a common mortality rate at the times. And the problem that the doctors faced was that the deaths were often labeled, and I'm quoting here, by unremittent constipation, by delayed lactation, excessive fear, and believe it or not, poisonous air. And that was their solutions as to why these women were dying at such high rates. And so all of their preventative measures were futile because they were trying to prevent all of these things that really wasn't the underlying cause for these deaths. And so enter on the scene a doctor by the name of Ignaz Semmelweis, uh, he was given a charge over one of the um, uh, uh, maternity wards there. And uh, as he sat back and observed what was going on, he observed uh, this detail that the women that were examined would die at a rate significantly more than women that were not examined by the doctors. And uh, what was going on at that time was doctors would go in and the mothers that passed away the night before, uh, they would go in the physicians and their medical students and they would do autopsies on these uh, ladies' bodies. And then immediately from there, they would go and examine expectant mothers. And so they were passing on disease, they were passing on infection, they were passing on viruses uh, and, and it was being carried over to the expectant mothers, and then they were getting fevers and dying, and then it would all be labeled as, you know, excessive fear, delayed lactation, unremittent constipation, or poisonous air, or something of that nature. Now, as Dr. Semmelweis watched this, what he did in a very smart move was he instituted a rule of washing hands. So uh, the practice was do the autopsy and then go examine the mothers. And so the rule that he put into play was after you did your autopsies in the morning, you washed your hands before you examined expectant mothers. And so Dr. Semmelweis ordered every physician and every medical student who participate in, in autopsies, they had to wash their hands. Now, remember, one in six women before this rule uh, ended up dying as they were giving birth or during that process, when he instituted this rule in June, one in 42 died. And then the very next month, July, one out of 84 
died. And so the death rate drastically decreased after the instituting of washing of hands. And so he went on to institute not only the washing of hands uh, after autopsies, but then after, uh, you know, the process and, and seeing things take place and death rates still not being as low as he would like it, he instituted the washing of hands between every live patient. So uh, what they were doing is just uh, washing their hands after the autopsy and then examined. But then what would happen is they would, of course, if, if a lady came in that was alive, they would transfer that disease to other people, that infection, that bacteria to other uh, ladies, and then they would get sick. And so he instituted the washing of hands between every single patient. And uh, so the practice of washing of hands became um, uh, in that day, uh, well, Dr. Samuelweiss tried to make it commonplace, but he was so ridiculed by the washing of hands uh, that he actually ended up getting displaced out of that hospital, entered into another hospital, and that actually drove him crazy. The reason why was because the doctors did not like to be um, seen as the reason why uh, their patients were dying. And so they ridiculed him because his his science proved that they were the carriers from one patient to another. And so they were at fault. Uh, so the washing of hands became vital in the practice of medicine shortly thereafter. One medical book uh, wrote this, and I want to read it to you. Routine hand washing before, between, and after contact with patients is recognized as the most impactful feature, most important feature of successful infection control. Think about that. The washing of hands is vital, the most vital measure we can take in uh, stopping the infection or bacteria being passed from one to another. Uh, and, and I, for a while, I didn't necessarily, uh, think that this was a common problem. Then I talked to, um, a, a general surgeon and I brought this up to them because I was reading the book at the time. And I, I explained this to the general surgeon and the washing of hands. And to my surprise, they said, absolutely. This is a common problem. Even today, doctors don't thoroughly wash their hands between checking patients or even before surgery. That just blew my mind that even still today, it was something that doctors struggle with. Um, and so it is recognized scientifically, medically, and by the CDC that washing of hands is a vital way to stop the passing on of infection. Now, why is this important? Well, because long before bacteria was discovered uh, in 1678 and long before viruses was discovered in the late 1800s and early 1900s, God's word spoke to the passing on of disease and how to prevent it. And guess what? It was by ding, 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 washing of hands. Uh, and so God's word spoke to these preventative measures long before science in 1840 uh, came to grips with the fact that washing of hands was vital. The two passages that I want to bring up are found in Numbers chapter 19, uh, verses 17 and 18, really all of Numbers 19, if you want to read it, and then Leviticus chapter 15. Uh, I want to read to you real quick Leviticus chapter number 15 and about the washing of hands. Uh, it talks about somebody that has a, a bodily discharge, which that could be a whole bunch of things. But in particular, it's obviously some bacteria or some sort of infection that's going on or can be labeled as that. And it says this in verse 13. And when he that hath an issue, that is the um, issue of flesh, the running out 
issue of the flesh, that is the affection, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes and bathe his flesh, notice this, in running water and shall be clean. And so what God institutes early on in the Bible is the two very important things, the washing of hands under running water. That wasn't even practiced early on in Dr. Samuel Weiss's uh, career. They would have a water basin in which they wash their hands. God says, wash it in running water. Not only that, but to number seven days of his cleansing. So you have two very important medical things mentioned there, the washing of hands under running water and then quarantining. Right now we are under uh, quarantine, you could say, as, as this is being recorded. Uh, we are social distancing. We ha- are not stay in place in the house, but there are other states right now that do have stay in place in the house. And so people can't even leave that. In other words, they're quarantining so that the spread of the disease does not go from one person to the other. And, and this a uh, quarantine idea was founded long before our medical science came to grips with it. God spoke it to Moses and the people of God, Israel, to tell them, number the days, seven days, make sure the person's clean after seven days. And after seven days, then they shall be clean and they shall wash themselves and their clothes and wash it in running water. I, I find that just to be so unique that that's what God's word teaches us about cleanliness and specifically the stopping the spread of virus and bacteria. Now, Numbers chapter 19 says something very similar. It says, he that touches, in verse 11, he that touches the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with it on the third day, and on the seventh day he shall be clean. But if he purifieth not himself on the third day, then the seventh day he shall not be clean. Whosoever touches the dead body of any man that is dead and purifieth not himself, the the tabernacle of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from Israel because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanliness is yet upon him. And then it says this, this is the law. When a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. Now this is crazy because uh, I, I, we've literally... Um, are living this truth right now uh, as as I speak that um, there there has been somebody infected with coronavirus in the county in which I live, Cecil County, and uh, they have tried now to track all the people that that person has come into contact with. God's word here says if a person uh, has died in a tent and it may very well be because of some infectious or some bacterial means, it says all those that are in that tent are also unclean and need to be quarantined. And any open vessel is also, uh, that's not covered, is now deemed unclean. I was just watching a uh, Congress uh, argue the point of, of the disease that we're facing right now and all the medical supplies that is needed. And what I found interesting is as they were talking, um, they had their Pepsi cans right there on their stand and it had a cup that was covering it. I thought that that was unique. Now, it may just be simple procedure, but I also think I know that if uh, I'm out and about and and people are coughing around me or maybe I'm doing something that involves a lot of dust, I tend to cover my cup or cover the lid of whatever it is I'm drinking. And that's exactly what I saw today when I was watching Congress go on. And so God's word institutes 
uh, quarantining. And not only that, in Numbers chapter 19, it says, And for an unclean person, in verse 17, uh, they shall take of the ashes of the burnt heifer, and that is the offering that was made for of purification for sin, and running water, again, running water, shall be put thereto in a vessel, and a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it into the water and sprinkle it upon the tent and upon all the vessels, upon the persons that were there, and upon him that touches the a bone or a slain or a dead or a grave. And, and what it's saying there is uh, that they are supposed to add certain things into this water and then sprinkle it upon the people, uh, put it upon the people. Um, why is it important? Well, first off, uh, the ashes and the wood and all that that is used, although it is it is um, uh, pretty um, uh, dated. Uh, of course, this is taking place way early on in Israel's history. Uh, those things, those ashes, um, the burnt wood acted as an uh, irritant that would um, irritate the bacteria. Uh, irritate the virus and get it off of whatever surface that it's on. We use uh, today kind of like um, soap that have uh, grit in it, that has salt in it, that has certain elements in it, those uh, exfoliating bubbles that are in the soap. That it, It's an irritant that gets certain things off of our skin and gets it out of our pores. But not only that, it also mentions putting hyssop in the water as you clean somebody that has been unclean, that's touched a dead body that, and may have come in contact with uh, bacteria or some sort of fungus or some sort of virus. It says put hyssop in the water. And now hyssop is uh, believed uh, by scholars to be a type of um, marjoram plant, which contains, and we know in these plants in the Middle East, they contain about 50% of something called uh Carvacrol. I think I'm saying that right. Carvacrol. Carvacrol, I looked this up in a medical book, is identical to thymol, which is an antifungal and an antibacterial agent. And so God is telling them here that if they're going to be clean and they've come into contact with something that was unclean, that may be a virus infection, uh, may it be bacterial infection, or it may be a fungal infection or something, and they've come into contact that they not only should be washed and be quarantined, but they should also add into the water something that is considered antifungal and antibacterial. And then at the end of Numbers chapter 19, it says, and whatsoever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and the soul that touches it shall be unclean until uh, the evening. Uh, and the idea there is is uh, the fact that the uncleanness can transfer from one person to the other. Uh, and so I just find it drastically interesting that God's word gives us the preventative measures that still today in 2020 is being hailed as the number one way to stop or to slow the spread of certain viral and bacterial and fungal infections. Simple washing of hands. Thousands of years before the CDC has come to make this a standard policy, God's word has been making it a standard policy for those who come into contact with people that have some sort of infections. I just find that so relevant, so interesting, so um, magnificent. And, and to me, that bears the divine imprint of God on the scripture, that the book of God 
does something that man cannot do. It foretells the future. It foretells deep scientific discoveries long before we've discovered them. And it gives us accurate scientific medical um, truths even before mankind has either discovered them or put them into practice. God's word has put them into practice. And so I want you to think on that uh, as as you finish listening here and to think of how relevant God's word, how true God's word is, and how vitally um, powerful God's word can be when man lives it out and when we actually take heed to the things in which God is saying. I hope you found this interesting and I hope you uh, found this um, to be something maybe you have not known or did not know. And uh, I know that washing hands and talking about washing hands might be a simple uh, topic, but who knew that it contains so much Bible truth behind it. Hope you were blessed. God bless.